with David Ian and Kate Dale. The show that plums the depths of mediocrity, celebrates the ordinary, and enjoys the everyday. Hi everyone, welcome to Mediocre Gator Podcast. I am David Ian. And I'm Kate Dale. Uh, what have you been doing mediocre this week, Kate? Well, what I do a lot of weeks, which is dancing very mediocrely. Is that how we say that word? I think so. Yeah, both of our dance abilities are quite mediocre. But they give me a lot of joy and a lot of fun. And actually, since I started learning to dance four or five years ago, I think it is now, the confidence I've got from that, even though, and I say this to new people when they've joined the class, and they say, oh, did you start this week as well? And I went, very much no, but do not judge the class Been by doing my it, abilities. Doing it for years, but got no better. <laughs> I still um, dance badly, but I do it happily, more happily and with more confidence now. Well, with that in mind then, let's welcome our guest for this week. So with us, we have got a dance teacher, choreographer and founder of our dance classes and lots of other things called Rainbow Nation. Alex Skerr is with us. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Uh, how would you describe Rainbow Nation in a better way than I just did it, Garvin? Um, so it is performing arts and fitness classes and a social community. Well, that's, oh, yeah. Seven years of practice. Yeah. <laughs> Getting that into a very short sentence. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, good. And you introduced Kate and I, so. Yeah. To each other. Yeah. 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 So this is all your this fault. This is all your fault. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, be, like, give us a bit more detail about Rainbow Nation, what it does. Uh, so we started seven years ago. Um, I, I, my background is in dancing and teaching and stuff. Um, and I wanted to start something that was mine, that I had control over, because I didn't feel I had much. You're in the performing arts. You don't have a lot of control over your life no and control. career and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I was like, I want something that's mine. I'm really good at this. Somebody should put me in charge. Nobody is. So I'll do it do myself. myself. <laughs> Sounds about right. That's yeah. why we're doing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, started it. And then it just blew up immediately. And I think a big part of that, as much as I started it very much coming from a dancing and teaching perspective, it blew up because of the social and community side of it, which I hadn't realized was as important as I now see that it is. Um it's, I probably haven't actually mentioned, but it's mainly around the LGBT community. Um, so, yeah, there just needed to be a space for people to meet each other outside of bars, nightclubs, apps, alcohol, drugs, etc. Um, and there are many things out there now. Um, but I am happy to be one of the bigger ones in London offering that space for people. I think it's a really important space. I mean, that's why I went for the social thing. Obviously, not my dancing ability. I didn't need any help with that, did I? <laughs> you, you have both improved a lot. And as Kate says, a, a, bit, a big part of it is the, like, getting past that mental side at the beginning of worrying and stressing about yourself and just the learning to enjoy it. Did you, did you notice he didn't say we were good? We've improved. Oh, I have no uh, expectations of being good. I mean, when was the last time you were in class? <laughs> I'm very busy. <laughs> One of the things I'm in class... Okay. <laughs> yeah we might both be on our best behavior because basically we're in the room with sir which he does not make us call him because that would be weird <laughs> make that really weird i'm gonna do that in the next class one of the things i find one of the many things i find ridiculous about myself in class is that when we're doing set choreo <laughs> i can't do it and then you say freestyle that bit oh dear and i panic and it's like that's basically what it looked like you were doing before so just the i should just flip them around but oh, in the poses, the poses, it's like a pose, and then the only pose I can think of is the one you were doing. 
I yeah, know. I mean, it's the same with almost yeah. everybody. It's the copy. It's kind of it? funny. Yeah. But it's a nice community, though. It's a nice place to go and meet other people. I don't like as an adult. I don't know how you're supposed to meet other fr- like new friends. I don't know. I, I was thinking about this not that long ago because I know how many people struggle with meeting people. And then you watch children; they'll literally just be like, "Hi, I'm uh, Alex. Yeah. Be my friend now," yeah. uh, and that's it. But you don't do that friends. as an adult, do you? Yeah. Like, yes, but also like no, but also yes, a little bit. Like, really, we don't, but we can. I mean, you, you could, but do you we... literally like you come to you join like the like dance class? Yeah. Yeah. You sit next yeah. to somebody at the pub. You start a conversation, yeah, and, that's then, true, and then that's it. And you've got yeah. something to talk is about. Kind of the same. So I think that's the, the benefit of, of yeah. meeting friends through, and in this case, a, a dance. You don't or... need to do it to people in the street. Either. Yeah, no. Don't that be, would be weird, yeah. especially in London. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd make sure I had my wallet and phone and run away. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and the community that you built up, and I mean, I've talked about this in my set about um, it was coming to, uh, it was called GMDC then, but it's where I realised I was bisexual because it was being surrounded by lots of queer people and actually feeling at home and feeling comfortable. Obviously, there was other things involved, but that was the space for me. And yeah. I think I have found... When I've talked to other people about it, they think of it as being a very one-dimensional community, but it is the most mixed group. Okay, they might be part of the LGBT community, but so many different people from different parts of the world, different jobs, different backgrounds. I'm very proud that we are not just a group of Clapham gays. Yeah. If people know what that is. No shade to any Clapham gays that are watching. No, but you do get get certain groups of people that start and they have the best intentions. And they're like, we're so inclusive. And I'm like, you're all the same age. You're You're all muscly. You all have the same haircut, wear the same clothes. You're all attractive. Like, I'm not seeing diversity here. Everyone at RNDA is See, that's why we're allowed to join, isn't it, David? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, don't, but I am very proud of the fact that we have, like, a variety of yeah. ages, of genders, of sexualities, and, we're, and as we go on, it's just getting more and more diverse. And I absolutely Yeah, it's a really that. diverse group of people. And, it's really and nice. it, it really helps. Like, I've learned so much from the members, as well as them, like, learning from, from me and the, yeah. the other staff and stuff. And sometimes and, we and, learn some dance as well. Sometimes. Yeah. You said something a moment ago, and it made me think, in our first ever charity gala... So, uh, one of the people, um, Adam, stood up and he did like a speech about various things. And one of the things he said near the end was how he felt that coming to what was GMBC is like a gay school and like a school for gays. Oh, yeah. And I kind of loved that yeah. analogy. And I, since hearing that, I've taken that and run with it. And I'm like, how can I make gay people gayer? <laughs> and then... <laughs> And I know that sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but it's a, but like embracing that side yeah. of them. Yeah. And when people say that they've discovered their sexuality or like a couple of times I've had people say like after the show, I actually went and came out to my parents and stuff. And I'm like, fuck, that's amazing. I you can know? see it as a school for gays. I mean, it literally yeah. is a school for gays. Yeah. Yeah. But... Yeah, which is what a lot of, like, and that that side of school is what a lot of gays our age, not younger ones necessarily, but a lot of them in our age bracket missed out on that at school. So that is one of the things that I quite like about it. Yeah, yeah, because you weren't able to be yourself. Well, a lot of people weren't able to fully be themselves at school. And you didn't, you know, you didn't, you didn't have that community of people with that group of friends that, like, that it gives. You didn't have that at school. Okay, what uh, does mediocre mean to you? And don't say our dancer. 
<laughs> no, he's, he's saving that as the thing that he loves. Uh, <laughs> but that everyone else thinks is terrible. Anyway. Um, I know I, like, I've come and seen your show and I loved your show and everything was about, but I, I kind of hate the word mediocre. And it's, it's not... Me too. It's not well, yeah, obviously, but but it's just it's not a word that I've ever connected with because I don't know. I feel like a lot of my life and how I perceive things, everything's quite like black and white. Something's either amazing, if it's not amazing, it's shit. But I don't live. That in, matches in much with your attitude in class. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't live in this like middle ground because there's there's nothing in that middle ground. Like, what is it? What's the point of it? There's probably a lot of therapy and unpacking involved mm. in that statement, but you you get my general. I do. My general vibe. There. I do, and it. And I, I think I, I was thinking about why I felt like that because you, I knew what questions you were going to ask me, and I was like, I think a lot of it does come from the performing arts and my childhood mm. because I started from a very young age. I was born into the performing arts, and you are taught from a young age that you have to be good. Yeah. And if you're not the best. Your shit. Yeah, what's the point? You're not getting that job. You're not yeah. getting that part. Why are you here if you're not the best? So there was just never an option for me to be mediocre. And I was going to say, but are you happy? That's possibly getting a little bit too open too early, isn't it? But well, do you, do you, it, it that, came from such a young age yeah. that I didn't know any different. So does so, it push you? Because it, it can work both ways, because it? it can push you to more. And absolutely, why shouldn't everything be extraordinary? Yeah. Why shouldn't we be pushing for extraordinary? We deserve extraordinary. But if you're wearing yourself also, out to what, exhaust what yourself. is extraordinary? Like, yeah. that's a relative term, yeah. you know? And it's like, you might think that it's here, but if I think it's there and I've reached there, then I'm cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> Just dismantling my whole branding. <laughs> I mean, my T-shirt right now is a little bit awkward, isn't it? It's like, hey, with the mediocre game merch on. <laughs> Available on davidian.co.uk. <laughs> <laughs> you a lovely tote bag. Yeah. Um, uh, so, well, the next question I believe you want to answer slightly differently. So normally we would say, what do you love that everyone else thinks is mediocre? But in true Alex style, <laughs> you have decided to turn this around. And <laughs> so you have decided to go well, with... I just kind of accidentally thought about it wrong. So this is what everybody else loves but you think is mediocre. I just started thinking about things like that. And then I, I came up with the concept of family. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I feel like it's one of those things, and there are many things that have been pushed into us from a young age, you know, Disney and society and blah, 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 blah. But the concept of family is such a big one that everyone's like, family's amazing, family's so important. You know, you can always rely on your family. You have to be there for your family. Or, you know, all of this stuff. Family, 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 family. TV, film, society, it's everywhere. But the reality is just not that at all. And I think it's... The, the concept of family is really fucking overrated. I'm allowed to swear, aren't I? Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. What about the chosen? <laughs> is that, I'm surprised that's the first time I've <laughs> I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. um, yeah, and especially within the LGBT community... Being with your family is really hard. I've been through a lot of stuff, especially since opening my company and and um, becoming more gay and 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 oh, what's the word? like leaning into that side yeah. of myself even more. And I'm just like I go and spend time with my family. And no shade on my family. I love my family. I love I love the people as individuals. And when we're all together, I have a lot of fun with them. 
But when I'm around them, I'm a lesser version of myself. And it's not me trying not to be gay. It's just I've been around them now for almost 40 years. And for 30 of those, I was around them not being gay. So I'm just a different version of myself when I'm with my family. I think the pressure put on parents and children or anybody within a family because of those expectations this is going to be the most significant relations in your life these are going to be the, be the people who get you but you didn't choose but you didn't people. choose them it's happenstance it's yeah it's, it's people it's, that were forced upon yeah. you and that seems like a really weird way of saying it but it, yeah. it's true I, I, I wasn't asked to be born and I wasn't asked to be born into the family that I have I do think that's really like for me one of the things I've mentioned to Kate before is I always think there's this expectation on the gay child to adapt. I'm not talking about my particular circumstances here, but in general, the expectation is on the queer child to adapt to the family circumstance. Now, if that family was to, let's say, adopt a dog, potentially the parents or the other family members would read a book about like how best to raise that dog. And I don't know... Yeah, I don't, you wouldn't expect the dog to just do the same thing as right? the rest of you. I don't really see that many examples in should, life. Should where, we be comparing games? <laughs> you know, you've seen my show. <laughs> is this the best analogy? But the point is, I feel like... <laughs> I'm to make a serious point here, people. <laughs> but I feel like... I, I do. I get your it's point. Like, I never see very many examples of, like, parents deciding to be like, okay, well, my kids come out. I'm going to... Re- like, there's loads of really good books available that you I really read. hope that more people are nowadays. Uh, yeah. But definitely, I feel with my generation, they didn't. It's not a thing that was done. And I just think you would make the effort with other things, but the expectation is very much on us but that's not just family i suppose that's the world like the expectation is for us to adapt to the world as opposed to like it to accept us it's oh god there's so much isn't there but it's a heteronormativity of the world so that even that we are supposed to we are pushed into we should be part of a nuclear family basically the absolute quotes norm is i keep stuck to my quotes again uh, man woman children and anyone who come is not that is seen as deviant in some way even if they wouldn't use that word now but it's still seen as abnormal and slightly outside the norm. So, and that permeates through everything. But then the additional pressure I think that does put on families when they come together, and particularly for big set piece events, whether it's Christmas or weddings or funerals or or whatever, bar mitzvahs, yeah. anything, um, for all those dynamics to come into play because people are trying to perform a role that was absolutely opposed to them. You're right, I think films, Disney, all those things that makes it very, very difficult. And then under pressure, things go wrong. Would you regard your friends that you've made as like a chosen family or do you not like that terminology? I, I do. I do like that terminology. I use it a lot of the time. Um, and yeah, 100%. I think for me, I've taken the word. I'm not the only person or even the first person to have done this. But I've taken the word family and I've gone. It's not blood relatives. That is a separate thing. There are blood relatives and there's family and family are the people who know me who care about me, who learn about my life, who I spend time with, who I want to spend time with. Not that I don't want to spend time with my family. But, um, yeah, but family is what you make and what you build. And, again, especially in the LGBT community, there's a big part of that because a lot of people don't have family. They're they're kicked out and et cetera, et cetera. Which, to be fair, that's one of the things I found really interesting about um, R&DA is that I, I'm very lucky, like, my parents and my family have been amazing, um, but to meet other people who weren't in that 
circumstance who you know we know people through that who don't see their parents anymore or you know just completely awful relationships it's been really eye-opening to meet those people and learn about that and really understand you know I mean even though my parents and family are great family situations and things like that even at my level where everything is really great with my family I feel different to them when we do family things because they're all there with their partners and their normal heteronormative lives and I'm just like yeah you know, like weddings and things like that are so like is that traumatic. not when you feel that you go to being a lesser version of yeah yourself? i think that's a probably a really accurate description i think yeah. i think weddings you're, are not, really... you're not being fake no, no you're just still you, you're just but it's just like 60 percent david instead yeah. of 100 percent david yeah. or you're expected to be 120 percent because at a wedding particularly you're there for the uh yeah, you're the entertainment so yeah it's armistead mopan isn't it who i think used the phrase biological family and logical family which i really I like, like and i really mm. like that who he now actually, you know, uh, he wrote Tales in the City. I raced through those books at the age of 20. That would have been a clue, wouldn't it? That I absolutely loved them. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe just really appreciated the stories. Uh, well, that too as well. But the community that shines through in there. He mm. lives in Clapham now and has been in the two brewers, and that blows my mind. Oh, really? Yeah. In an afternoon, he went in the two brewers. He wrote, he wrote about it at 10 o'clock, and that just slightly mm. blows my mind. So we need to get him along to our next show then, I think. Or your next podcast. Oh, my next... Oh, yes, if you're listening, <laughs> which of course you are. Um, I know that I've been very lucky because with my logical family, and I so love that phrase, my biological family fits into that. Um, so it could include blood family, but it doesn't have to. And I think that it don't have to and it being perfectly okay to say, you know what, this person, I might even love this person, but we don't go on, oh, we don't have anything in common. We will take that pressure off that particular relationship and I wonder if parents as well if we didn't put so much pressure on parents to build their lives around their children whether that would be easier for both sides as well I say this as a non-parent so I guess I'm talking of what that of which I do not know imagine I know but <laughs> I just think that that pressure for that to be the most obviously it's an intense relationship obviously you've given birth or you've helped create this child but that's an amazing thing that kind of that doesn't have to be anything more after that necessarily. Yeah, I feel like the the way to be the best parent is then you have to be able to sit back and allow your child to come to you and want yeah. that relationship. You need you need to be good enough for your child to want them in your life rather than force yourself upon your child. Mm, yeah, because that's it's the same with every yeah. other relationship. Yeah. Imagine like if a if a guy or girl or whoever comes up to you in the bar and says, "Come back to mine." And you're like, well, no, that's normal, right? But in like the parent way, it's like, come back to mine. It's like, you, know, you have to go back to theirs. And the rest of society. That, that's a weird analogy. That was, no, it's you, not. I think uh, no, it's... No, no, I, I, the sex element makes it weird, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just some light incest for the podcast there. <laughs> I think that's a no wonder you've got an issue with family. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we go with this now. Um, I think that's Where'd a really you go from incest. Oh, yeah, yeah. To the police. <laughs> there are the numbers display. If you have been affected by any of the content in this podcast, please call the numbers. Oh, it will not be my home number. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a really interesting concept. Consent, right? It's about consent, isn't it? And you're not yeah. consenting to that, the relationship and the expectations, not not just that those people or that person places on you, but society pushes on you as well. You're a bad child. You're, do you not care? You're not, you should absolutely. And it, 
somebody doesn't have to have done something horrible to you for that not necessarily to be a positive relationship or a space you need to be in your life or want to be a lot in your life. Also, if you take the pressure off the relationship, potentially the relationship itself would yeah. develop into something it more naturally is and therefore better for both yeah. parties. And don't hold till we change and we grow and we evolve. And I think that's something that I have found difficult um, in the past as well, is that who I was when I was a child isn't necessarily who I am or want to be now. And it might be different again tomorrow or next year. And That's kind of what you're meant talking about, isn't it? Like where for that period of time you were one certain thing and yeah. now you're... Di- that is something that I have thought about quite a lot, actually, um, is that as I think probably RNDA has made me gayer and if people in not just family, but people in your pre from your previous life, maybe they're like, Oh, you know, I wouldn't say that you necessarily even give them the chance or I wouldn't necessarily even give them the chance, but you sort of hold that bit back. Maybe like you say, you're just 60% of them. Yeah. I've never really, really thought about it. Um, it's really interesting. Because you're right, it is just a bit. need to pause and go. <laughs> just right a little. Now. It's supposed to be your trauma we unpack, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because I, I have an amazing relationship with my family, um, but I do often think, oh, like I have changed, and I have changed and developed a lot in the last couple of years, and um, they have recognised a lot of that and been really supportive of it and really embraced mm. it. Uh, but yeah, I've not really thought about the fact that I hold a lot in my head around well. I, you know, where did I, who was I before? How different am I now? What am I presenting to the world? Yeah. It's really interesting. And I was just saying, it would be interesting to ask, I was going to say people from the straight community, is it a community? Um, how they, whether they, ref, whether this reflects on the... <laughs> just a bunch of people. <laughs> some of them are nice. We like some of them. <laughs> so I think most people who identify as LGBTQ+, have had to do some thinking and some whether they've had therapy or not, but there is some working out to get to where they are. Mm. They're far more aware of things, whereas I think if you haven't had to go through that because you are defined by society to be the default normal, that you just kind of maybe trundle on in life and it, you don't take that step back. Not all of them, obviously, there's an awful lot of people who do, but it's because there's something's come up in your life has caused an issue yeah. probably that makes you do that. Well, I think because yeah. when you don't naturally fit into the into the like society, you just naturally think... You analyse it all a bit more, don't you? You have to think about that. But if you're just a straight person and everything's built for you, you don't realise that's privilege, isn't it? Like, that's literally privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's brought up straight people as the mediocre thing that they love, but everyone else thinks is mediocre. That's interesting, isn't it? Nobody loves them. (laughs) Straight people are very mediocre. That's right. Could could there be anything more mediocre? Anyway. (laughs) Some of them. How do you feel? Some straight people are lovely. So no, and there's some of them listen, so, yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you see, I now feel that as with my one foot in each campsite, I should be leaning into that. I don't know. Do I represent them, try and represent the community? I don't know. Uh, quite a lot of straight people buy tickets to my show, and that, which they're nice, and, yeah, not... They're, they're in, the last, in the last seven years since opening the company, like, it's taken over my life, which is negative in one way, but now gay people are the only people that exist in my life. Right. Like, I never deal with straight people. I have one very small group of straight friends, but they're not, like, uber straight, if you know what I mean. Yeah. That's a thing, right? You yeah. know I so. about that. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just, we're just old friends. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, but everybody I meet, everybody I talk to, everybody I deal with for work, my social life, everything, gay, 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 better, gay, right? gay. And I've never been happier. Yeah. 
I have def- <laughs> one of the weird things about getting into comedy for me has been spending more time back in straight world than yeah. I had spent outside of work and hasn't always been that's probably why we said the queer comedy club is just to recreate the, the bubble inside yeah because I comedy. find it all a bit superficial and fake when I have to deal with like straight people and straight things I can't be bothered explaining everything to him <laughs> <laughs> David, I want to quote your show at you, but I wonder why so many gay men become teachers. Is it because they like talking down to people? <laughs> you missed your vocation, didn't you? Please don't give away all my punchlines. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, what is mediocre about you? So, again, thinking about this when you gave me the questions, and I, my immediate thing, because of my idea of mediocrity, was... Nothing because Nothing I'm amazing. Either, yeah. No, but like I either think I'm good at something or I'm bad at it. There is not a lot of middle ground for me. But then I was thinking about uh, one of the biggest things was um, my job. I think I'm very good at my job, but there are so many aspects to it uh, when it comes to teaching and choreographing, when it comes to running the business, and I have to be like 20 different people. And I want to be amazing, I want to be phenomenal for myself for my customers, um, for my community. But when you have to do so many things, you cannot be amazing at everything. So I was like, oh, shit, maybe I am actually mediocre. <laughs> I mean, coming, coming to your podcast <laughs> made me realise. Realise, yeah. Going to need more therapy. We should give people yeah. therapy vouchers as they leave. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for, for the time. Um, I, I, that's, that's quite a common problem for small business owners, right? Because you need yeah. to, like be so many things you've got to be marketing and hr yeah. and the, the actual talent that you had to start the business and finance yeah. and all of those so many things. things that i don't want to do but yeah. i have to dealing with my accountants and bookkeepers and all the financial staff and budgeting social media oh i hate social media i would love when friends are like oh, i think i'm leaving facebook i'm like i wish i could leave mm-hmm. facebook you just can't running business i yeah. hate it and then you're like you see other businesses and their social media is phenomenal, and suddenly they have 10,000 people, and they started three months ago, and you're like, how? How? Yeah. How have you done that? They bought them. I've been on it for 100 years now, and there but are also, three followers. Are they spending the time, like, is what they're delivering really good? That's the thing. Sure. Like, what's the priority? Yeah, isn't yeah. It? and that's, yeah, you have to work out what the priority is and where, where you think your time and energy should lie, but the reality is it needs to lie everywhere, but it can't. So how do you deal with that? I mean, (laughs) just do what you can and try. I think one thing, the good thing that I've taken from COVID, obviously it was a horrendous time for many reasons, but I was forced to not work because I I couldn't. I just didn't work for a long time. And I was like, this is really good for me. I need to make sure when I start up again that I don't work all the time. Yeah. Um, And that's, yeah, the one good lesson that I managed to teach myself. And now I'm very, very good being like okay it's 9 p.m at night this shit has to be done but this is not good for me carrying on is not good for me right now i'm, I'm just not working and sometimes you always do good work like at that point when you're exhausted. well yeah it's like yeah the quality of work possibly matters and if i do this in three days time i'll do it in 10 minutes if i do it now it's gonna take me three hours yeah yeah so you know and it's just weighing up 
and it's essentially really fucking like hard. you kind of become a victim of your own success because RNDA has grown so much and is now such a big entity it grew way too fast for me to deal with yeah, it yeah so that's just like more work for you yeah. you know as it gets but, bigger but when bigger. you're when you're when things are going really well you don't want to stop that yeah. train yeah. yeah you're like I have to lean into this I need yeah, to you don't know when frame. it's going to stop or yeah. pass yeah yeah it must play as well because on your mind as well because it is such a community and there are people who rely on it I think and it brings people together it's a big part of their lives so it does have that family feel to it so it's not it's not just a business is it it's not just yeah. if you decided oh, yeah. tomorrow do you know what I'm going to go on do XYZ now stop it I mean you can do that obviously we'll let you but I um, won't hold you hostage but there are people who are relying on you and that must play that must it does a bit I do, I do think I'm, I would be able to be like it's time <laughs> I can't do this anymore because I've, I've had those conversations a lot yeah. in the last couple of years with myself and with other people of being like, oh, is this good for me? Do I need to stop? Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it is a lot of pressure. Um, but, it's important yeah. to be able to do that though, isn't it? Even if the decision is then to carry on, but to not just yeah. be so much on the run. I think, I think if I got train. to the point where I needed to stop, yeah. I would. I'd feel a bit bad about it. But if I knew it was the right thing to do to me, I, I would. What would you do? Who knows? Probably leave this country. Go travelling? Yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm probably move. Oh, really? Yeah. But, yeah, because I was, I was working abroad a lot as a dancer, and I hated this country. And it's only got worse. Well, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's so many amazing things about London. We're so spoiled here, and travelling has shown me that. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's opening a company that has kept me in London. And do you miss the performing, the dancing? No, it took me 10 years of performing to realise that I loved dancing, but not performing. But I went to performing arts school where they train you to perform. And so I just came out and started performing. That's but what you do, it's a yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. But literally took me 10 years to be like, I'm not happy doing this. Maybe this isn't what I want. Isn't and that... then I was looking at not dancing and I was like, well, no, because I still love dance. It's really important to get to that bit of your life where you're like, am I doing what I want like it's really brave yeah, to be like am I going to I'm like that's yeah, pretty fucked up I mean it took me longer to be fair yeah. um, but, but you're, it's, and it's more than the, 10 years because industry. it's all your time at, um, at oh, college yeah. as well yeah. yeah but 10 years working as a professional yeah. performer but I don't think I think a load of people never end up getting to that point where they make that like where they even ask themselves that question yeah often to bring it right back to what you started with because they've got family you know, like, if you're a 30-year-old, if you're a 30-year-old and you've got a kid and a wife or you're about to get married and you're maintaining a certain level of, like, life, that needs a mediocre certain... Life. Mediocre life. That requires a certain level of income and you can't necessarily go, do you know what, I'm going to stop, I'm going to change to something complete, I'm going to take a risk and start a business, which means I might not have any income, or I'm going to quit what I'm doing and go and study something because I, I'm in completely the wrong path. So I actually think there is a, a load of mostly straight people um, who made decisions when they were 14, 15, 16, when you know nothing about the world, about who you really are. They've made those decisions. They've gone off to college or university or whatever, mm. studied that, and they've spat out the we other side and gone and done it. Exactly, really early, exactly. Spat out the other side, gone and done it. They get to 30, 31, and they're like, oh, am I happy? Well, I Most think... of them probably aren't. Right? I mean, I'm, hopefully there's some happiness. But, but that's why I think it's really brave. Like, when you get... To, and you're like... And the freedom that comes with not necessarily having had that family, you can... But even you know. if you have that family... I mean, half of marriages end in divorce, right? So that implies that at least half of the people yeah. who got married weren't yeah. happy, and therefore there will be more 
I would say, who aren't happy but don't take that step and have done it. It's not an easy step to take. But I think also this pressure that we put on families to be this unit, which is everything, to, also doesn't help. You could be in a long-term relationship, you can have kids married or not, and still, whether it's an open relationship, whether it's having friends outside that, whether it's having a life and a family outside that as well, as opposed to this belief, and again, it comes from Disney and films again, that you meet your significant yeah, other. Yeah, and that one person, and that one person is your everything. I've been thinking about, like, relationships as a yeah. term so much recently, and I really think we don't have time to get into the whole conversation, but as a society, yeah. we've not explored the idea of relationships enough. Absolutely. We're so used to there being these specific boxes yeah. of these are your work colleagues, yeah. these are your friends, this is your family, this is your partner. And it's like, that's it. But but no, because there's people that that merge into yeah. different yeah. boxes and you and you want different things from different yeah. people and everybody you meet is different. And yeah, I, I just think there's so much more to it. And we don't we don't even have the words yet yeah. to describe the differences. Yeah, I think the words are really interesting, isn't it? Because People always talk about when you say the word love, people only ever end up thinking about like romantic love. But I'm I spend a lot of effort on platonic love like the last couple of years. Yeah. I think that's been really important to me. I, I worked for a charity during lockdown and um, Ed, you allowed to talk about other people? Mm. Uh, Ed came in and ran a session for me um, about his life and his life experience stuff. And one of the things that he just briefly mentioned was about attraction and how there are different types of attraction. Mm. I can't remember them all. I want to say there was like six. And it was something that I feel I knew, but didn't know I knew. Yeah. And as soon as he said it, I was like, mind literally blown. But yeah, learning about those different types of attraction is why I thought I was bisexual for so many years, because I was attracted to females. I was allowed to, I was allowed to, I was able to look at a female and be like, you're hot. I just didn't want to have sex with them. And it took until this thing that happened two years ago. And you were like... For me to realise, oh, I wasn't bisexual. There's just physical attraction and sexual mm -hmm. attraction. Yeah. And they are two separate things. And sometimes they overlap, but, but sometimes they don't. And that's absolutely yeah. fine. And I'm like, wow, I really wish someone had explained that to me when I was, like, 12. Yeah. It feels like such an important Yeah, like a really important lesson. lesson. Yeah. Because it took me until I was 35. That need to put people in boxes <laughs> yeah. and label them up and say and say this is all of your identity is just huge, isn't it? And we're moving a bit beyond that, I think, with exploring pansexuality and non-binary. But there's so much more to do within we're that. We're very as well. behind, but yeah. we are moving yeah. in the right direction. Yeah. Okay, right. Tell everybody how they can find out about you and about R and DA. Uh, best place is social media right now. So Instagram, Facebook, um, or Twitter. Uh, so just at Rainbow Nation DA. And do you want to run through what all the classes are? Uh, sure. We hold dance classes in various styles, like ballroom, voguing, heels. Uh, we have pole dancing, choir, drama, musical theatre. Kate is a star of our musical theatre class. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we're hoping to get back into the fitness classes soon as well. Great. Well, thank you for coming. That thank was really you. great. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mr. David Ian, or you can check out my website, davidian.co.uk. And you can find me starring in our next musical theatre production. <laughs> <laughs> or being a backo bitch, which is normally where I quite rightly Tree belong. Tree number four. <laughs> um, or on Instagram at Katie Estale. Thanks for watching. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Mediocre Gay, the podcast. <laughs>
If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the show. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Mediocre Gay Pod or share your mediocre secrets with us on MediocreGayPod at gmail.com.